Hi y'all, welcome back. I've been enjoying doing these so much. Um, They've been keeping me accountable, they've been keeping me creative, and they've been keeping me going. (laughs) Um, If you are new here, welcome. This is Amigopreneur. This is your host, Jacqueline. And I would say the podcast is has been switching over from me interviewing amazing women of color who are entrepreneurs and creatives and women who share their stories about not just starting these amazing businesses or creative, but it turned into them talking about their transition story and how that catapulted like these ideas now it's more so me turning it around on me and kind of sharing more of my journey and what's going on with me and learning which was always hard i think i always hid behind these amazing women because i didn't really feel like i had much to share i didn't feel like i was worthy enough of like i didn't have these amazing businesses i felt like i didn't do this these amazing things and I think it had a lot to do with self-worth and knowing that we are all worthy of sharing our story and if people come on the podcast they're not just interested in the you know the dope women that I'm interviewing and what they have to say but they're interested in them as people right them and their journey their failures their successes just overall but they're also going on here because of the host as well so i decided to start being more vulnerable and more open and i also had a few things happen to me which i wanted to share and i understood that if i share what's going on with me maybe it'll also help someone else and i always thought it was so important for me number one was to share with my community because I had these amazing women that were coming around me who just shared so much wisdom. And I was like, I wanna share these women with the world and share all their insight and how helpful it is, right? And I thought, you know, I should do that with my story as well. So it's kind of turned into Jacqueline's journey. And um, as cheesy, I feel like as that sounds, it's kind of like, me sharing a part of me now and it is a journey for everyone all of us and i've said it many times before i hope that well first of all mental health is super important to me having gone through a very deep depression and feel like i discovered that had been depressed most of my life not just bouts of depression i thought it was important um, as people of color to talk about mental health specifically i think for women, women of color, for me and my community, um, being being Latina in the Latinx community, we don't really speak about that. Now we are talking more about it, we're sharing our stories more, but I also think it's important to put ourselves in our stories so that we make it possible for people in our community to see themselves and know that everyone's going through something and it's okay to talk about it, it's okay to talk to a therapist about it, it's okay to have these conversations. Um, so yeah, so that's what the podcast has been involving, evolving to. <laughs> and again, I, I will always apologize because I'm doing this f- 
from an app because as you all know if you've been uh, following along and listening to the last episode I had an injury and I'm at home and I'm doing it on my bed and we all have to be creative right I used to record my podcast on my laptop and I was like you know when I continue to do this I want to stay accountable and creative and so now I'm doing it from my bed as I lie down, as I lay down and take my 20 minute rest and then I get up and walk for 10 minutes, as you guys know. But I had to think of a way and that's how I'm doing now, being creative and doing it as an app. And the reason I say that is because usually hear the airplanes and my heater come on and things like that. <laughs> so I'm um, just giving you guys ahead about that. But on the whole thing of continuing to stay accountable for me and continue to do the passionate work that I do in sharing, this week I'm going to talk about an incident that happened to me at the bank. I, one thing about this journey and having experienced this is, I've talked about it before on um, the last two episodes, is that when you have a disability, people around you you start to see how different the world for someone who is able-bodied treats um, how people with disabilities are treated Um, and how there's a sense of like unfairness right and i think whether you're able-bodied or are disabled or are going through any number of experience fairness comes up to me because when I was at the bank and I was experiencing something, I was like, this is very unfair. You know, this is so unfair. And and that had been something that I think for a long time, I was looking for fairness. Like growing up, the fact that I didn't have like two parents who were, you know, educated, not just when it comes to, you know, college educated, but like, parents that didn't speak English or and parents who weren't educated in like or mature enough or you know I'm trying to think of a way to put it when it comes to raising kids right and now understanding they didn't have that themselves you know but back then it's like it's so unfair there's other kids with parents and parents who are educated parents who have money two parents and you know parents without addictions or or like problems I guess and there was always this like unfairness thing us wanting you know things to be fair and that's just not how life works and a lot of the times we get stuck in that unfairness and for the longest time I've had I'd, I'd want to figure out a way not to get stuck in the unfairness because that will lead to like a victim story you know and like getting stuck there and so the reason I say that is going back to the bank, I, I, I'm currently on unemployment. I had to get on a disability because I did get let go from like my nine to five. And so I got my card. And so there was an issue. I couldn't ver- verify it on the, um, on, the, on the phone call when I called the bank. So I had to go in. Well, that presented a problem because I can't stand for longer than 10 to 15 minutes I have to lay down and get up and so I had to go into the bank and that already brought a lot of fears and anxiety I have so much fear about going outside like when you experience something um, an accident or something you feel just so vulnerable and honestly there's just a fear within me like going outside is so fearful to me because I'm like 
what if I get an accident and it's worse? You know, what if I get hurt? What if someone attacks me? I have this big thing about being attacked <laughs> and I can't defend myself. And it's just like all this stuff, right? And I know that has to do with the past, but like, you just feel so vulnerable. And so like going into the bank, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna have to call them and let them know my situation because I can't stand in line. I can't stand for too long. And all I gotta do is go in there and show my ID. So I called the bank and they didn't answer. I said, okay, when I go in there, I'll find a manager and I'll let them know, explain the situation, you know, I'll get help. So I go in there, I talk to this gentleman. He looks at me like he's clueless. He clearly sees me in a walker and he like hands me off to this woman who I would just say felt like she was some sort of robot, okay? <laughs> so I explained to her and she was like, well, I'm sorry, like we had complaints about giving preference to people with disabilities, so you're gonna have to get in line and I can't help you, basically, you know? is She didn't say that, like, I can't help you, but she's like, you have to get in line because we had complaints and so we're not letting people go in front of the line. And I was like, I wasn't trying to go ahead of the line, I was just, trying to explain that all I have to do is show you an ID. And so she wasn't having none of it. And I said, you know what, I'll just talk to people and explain the situation, people are in line. And so there was a uh, somewhat of a long line. So I went up and I explained to people, I said, hey, I can't stand um, or sit for too long. Would anyone mind? And if I went ahead, uh, I'm really sorry. I just have to show ID. I will try to be as fast as I can. People in line were so kind. Like the all of the people in front were like, no, yeah, go for it. Um, it's fine. Like, yeah, go ahead. And mind you, there was only two tellers. So people were really kind. So I wait for the guy to finish. I go in front and there's a teller and he was just like, I go up there and I'm like <laughs> wobbling to get up there. And he's just like, yeah, put your ca card on the slide your card. And I'm like, oh, I'm not trying to do a transaction. I'm just here to show you ID. And he's like, yeah, put your card in. And I'm like, I don't need to put my card. I need to just show you guys. And I'm trying to explain to him and he was not having it. So the woman that had helped me goes up there and she's just like, I got it. And she's just like, just let me see your ID. So I give her my ID and my social. And she's like, no, we need two pictures ID. And I said, but that's my social security card and my ID card. I don't you know, understand like they're both One's government issued and she's just like, no, because we had fraud. And I was like, okay, that's fine. So I give her my green card, which is like the FBI building will take it. It's that card is like, it's harder to get than anything else. So I give her that it has my two pictures. And then she's like, oh, you know what? We can't do this because your, your EDD card doesn't have your full name. And I was like, what? I'm like, I'm giving you my ID, my like, I'm, I go, I'm not understanding what's going on. It's all government issued. I don't, she's like, what I can do is take you over to ATM and show you. I said, yeah, but I have to transfer money. I don't want to take that much cash out. Like, is there any way we, no, I, you know, we I'll show you how to do it over there. And I'm just like, and I said, you know what? I said, first of all, you don't need to talk to me in that tone. I said, both of you, it's, this is just so rude. And you're being so condescending and I'm not really sure what's going on. I go, I'm trying to explain and you won't let me finish. You're cutting me off. 
And I said, but that's fine. I said, just please don't speak to me like that. And I said, I will go over there only. I said, I don't want to get into an argument because all these people that are behind me in line, these kind people who let me in, I don't want to get in an argument with both of you. I said, so I'll go over to the, to the thing, but please stop talking to me like that. Let's just talk to each other like adults. So I turn around, I apologize to the line and I start walking over there and I'm just like, I don't understand what is happening. And she's like, I'm telling you, like, there's no emotion in the woman's face. She's just like blank face. When I said it to both of them, the other guy kind of finally reacted. He goes, no, no, yeah. Like, you know, he was more like started to calm down. She wasn't having it. She just walked over the ATM and like was like, whatever. I was just like, okay. And the whole time I'm just like, breathe, calm down. Like, don't get angry. Cause like when you get angry, you kind of like, sometimes you end up getting hurt. <laughs> you know, like what, it just takes so much energy and I didn't want to like exhaust any more energy. I had to get to the car. So she goes over to the ATM. She tries to show me what ended up happening is that my card was locked because I needed to show them ID. So then she's like, well, you know, it's locked and all this stuff. I don't know. You're just going to have to call them. I said, if I call them, they're going to send me back to the bank. I can't come to the bank because of my condition. I said, I can't stand for too long. And in that point, I could just already feel that I was in pain, that my back was starting to hurt. I was going to need to lay down soon. So she's like, and I was just like telling my, because my sister was with me. And so I was just like, I I'm not understanding what's going on. I'm already here. Like, I don't understand why they won't help me. Like, what is going on, you know? And so the woman, so we're getting ready to leave. She's like, well, you know, you can call from one of our offices. And then what we'll do is we'll get a code and you can just call them and then they can speak to us. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, that's perfect. So I call, we call and we're on hold and my back is hurting. And I'm like explaining to them on the phone. I'm like, listen, I can't stand or sit for too long. And um, the woman on the phone seemed nice enough. And she's like, I'm sorry, it just takes so long to input all this information. So at that time, the lady disappears. Like, I don't know where the woman's at. And she's asking for the woman. My sister's trying to get the, the woman from the bank to come help us. She finally appears, gets on the computer and gets some coding, gets on the phone. And so when she's on the phone, the woman, my sister says she can hear and she's like, oh, does she have ID? She's like, yes, but her card doesn't match her name and we'd had fraud. So like, and the woman's on the phone, she's like, that's fine. She's like, does she have IDs? And she's like, yeah, she has two, a passport and uh, like a California ID. And I'm like, it's not a passport, it's a green card, I said. Um, and that's the California ID. And the woman heard on the phone, I said, and she's like, my sister could hear and she said, I was in the back because I was like walking around trying to like move my body. And my sister heard the woman like not trying to explain to her like, no, like kept telling the person on the phone like, no, she doesn't have the right ID, you know, whatever. And my sister's looking at her like, are you serious? You see her condition just like you have the IDs. Like one of them is like, from the INS, from the, like, we do not understand what is happening. And um, the woman on the phone, she said, oh, no, that's enough. Like, that's totally enough um, identification. Just put her back on the phone. Um, we'll get this taken care of. Clearly, you know, she has a disability right now. Let's just help her or whatever. 
And my sister tells me later, she's like, I cannot believe that woman was doing that. Like trying basically not to let you, you know, get your car taken care of. And at this point, I was just in a lot of pain. Like I was so close, the, the way they were being so rude, what she was doing, like the way I've been treated since I got to the bank, like me being in pain, like not understanding how they can have no compassion and we're being rude and like, Again, I was in so much pain, my back was hurting, I needed to lay down that I was so close to crying. And I just kept telling my sister's trying to help me. She's like, let's sit down or whatever. So um, finally, you know, everything gets taken care of. And the woman's just like, oh, I'm sorry, this took so long, um, but you're all taken care of. We have your ID and everything. So we get ready to leave and um, I'm just telling my sister, look, I need to lay in the back of your car. I am in so much pain, like I can't take this anymore. And so I lay in the back and just to be transparent, I started crying because I was just in so much pain and I needed to lay down. And I think it was just a culmination of everything, you know, from getting to the bank and how I was being treated and how much pain I was in and how I was getting no compassion, you know? and when I was heading home, when I finally got home and processed the whole thing, I was just like, how can they be like that? You know, how can they treat me like that? How can they treat anyone like that? Like, I'm clearly disabled at the moment. Like, why was she going above and beyond not to give me what I needed? Like, I don't understand. Like, and I was trying to wrap my head around like, why can't I let this go? You know, like some people are rude. Some people don't care. Like that's life, you know, but I couldn't find peace in between like forgiving and letting go, you know, and the like people are rude, like whatever that's life. Like, you know, I've just gotten to a point where I need to understand in a way, you know, and, and not get in this whole, why is, you know, like, so unfair like they need to treat me right and being that I worked in law trust me I was like I'm gonna call the corporate office and if I talk to an attorney like I worked in law before so I was just like I'm not doing that like that's just too much energy it's not even about that like again trying to look for fairness right trying to have some repercussions or something so that I could fear like it's fair it's like you know and I'm like no that's not who I am that's not what I want I just want to get to a point where I let it go. Like I, I try to understand the other, because I've had incidents happen where I felt like people were being just, just rude and like just coming at me some kind of way. And I was like, I don't understand why I'm being treated. And then I was like, listen, this person has gone through this. So the reason they're coming at you like that is their own stuff. And it was very much about like, stop taking it so personal. You know, it's it's not about you. It's about the corporation they work for. It's about whatever they're going through in their lives. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. And this whole fairness and like even and like repercussions, like like that's not who I am anymore, but I do, I and I think because when it came to me and like understanding my parents this goes way back to, to my parents the way i came to forgiveness and an understanding was because i knew that my parents had their own stuff 
my parents had their own trauma, even worse. You know, we're talking about older generations and they were in Mexico. You know, we, we left Mexico and my parents left Mexico because we lived, they, we all lived in a very small town where there was, I mean, the thing, the, the way to get rich was like, you're going to sell drugs and there was a lot of violence and there, you know, it, it they were escaping and getting away from all that so that we had more opportunities and better chances. You know, they were, they were seeing just horrible things over there um, that they didn't want us. There was these girls who were literally taken off the street and by guys and then they ended up with a bunch of babies and like just these horrible things that they didn't want for us. They wanted a better life. They wanted us to have a better opportunity. But just because they left that that country, right? Just because we live a, a certain environment or, or whatever, doesn't mean we don't carry a lot of the traumas and the toxic traits. And we also, they also had stuff from their parents. And so I was able to make peace and understanding and, and forgiveness because I understood that everyone was carrying their own stuff and they had their own ignorance, just like I have my own ignorance, just like we all do. We don't know what we don't know. You know, we don't know, for me, it was like emotional regulation. We don't know about, you know, going to therapy and, and getting that education about what's going going on with us. And so with the people at the bank being that, that I don't know what they're going through, I think that was part of it too. Like, I don't know their home life, you know, but I know that something's going on there. You know, having had the conversation with my daughter when she talked about like, you know, just, we don't know who's bullying them. You know, that was like so big for me. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We don't know who's bullying them. And they're part of like a bigger system. I don't know what goes on the culture in the bank. I don't know what's going on in their home life. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. And I wanna be compassionate and understanding and I wanna humble myself and I don't, want to be the same person that I want be, was before about like getting even and if you say something to me I'm gonna say something like 10 times as bad I'm gonna embarrass and humiliate you like you're gonna embarrass me humiliate me well guess what like I'm not one to mess with like that's who you used to be you know and that's the kind of neighborhood that I grew up in and that's like a very like tit for tat and like you know, we don't put up with no one's shit and like, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not that person. Like, that's not even who I want to be. That's just so much energy. And what am I to fight the world, you know? And like, like it has nothing to do with me. So how can I try to make peace with what was happen happening to me at that moment? of the lessons that I'm learning the most when I talk about not taking thing, things personal that's one of the biggest lessons I'm learning with this disability and it's just I don't have time for it I don't have time to take things personal it's too much of a waste of energy it also like brings me back you know to my dad we're working on our relationship and if you, there's an episode of Forgiving My Father where I had 
sat down with him and kind of talked about our past. And now as, you know, this continues to develop and we're in each other's lives and we're learning how to, you know, move forward and how much this has been, this whole experience of bringing all our family back together, as I've talked about in the two previous episodes, there was, you know, he's been coming, bringing groceries, and there was a, there was a time, there was um, one particular appointment that he took me to, and usually um, another family member will take me. He's usually in a rush, and like, I have to really take my time, and so he ended up taking me to one appointment, and I, I, I was like in a lot of pain when I, I can't really sit in the car and I was in a lot of pain and it was like a really like appointment that was um, ended up being like I think it would take like 15 minutes there and then back and it's just really hard for me to sit in the car and I was just in pain and I'm moving around and when I when we park I really need to get out of the car and I'm like oh dad I need I need to get out of the car I need to get out of the car because I need to like stretch I can't be sitting and so he's in the back taking his time and I'm like dad I need to get out of the car I need to get out of the car and I think he just got frustrated with me or he was just frustrated with the situation that he ended up like yelling at me <laughs> and I was like are you kidding me are you really yelling at me right now like I need to get out of the car and he was like rushing and I'm like, I can't rush. Like I gotta go up two flights. It's like a whole thing. And in that moment, I was like, you just need to get the F out of my face. Like I was so angry and I was so like hurt that he was being impatient and it's like, how dare you? And so all my childhood stuff came up like, you know, I'm like, I'm giving you an opportunity and like, how dare you? Like, you yell at me? Like, I was just all in my feels. And so like in my ego, like, I'm giving you an opportunity, you know? <laughs> and again, I, you know, you got to go through this whole process. I'm certainly not telling anybody that you got to be like whole other level and you're looking at everybody with compassion. You've all of a sudden become this enlightened being. <laughs> Nothing should bother you nothing like that but like I I when I talk about like really trying to understand people forgive people um kind of to be able to let go of the unfairness getting stuck in the unfairness and all this stuff and in your ego too like how dare you you know and all this stuff um when I think about my dad you know obviously like well not obviously like that's not the word that I'm trying to like the next day which had always been the thing for my dad whenever he did anything or anything happened like he he had such like he, he didn't know how to communicate so i could always see his shame and this guilt and like and regret you know and and the next day you know my stepmom had called me and I knew he felt bad because when he had dropped off the groceries he couldn't look at me and he was like and it just reminded me of instances where I as a parent had so much shame and and guilt because I let my emotions get the best of me and I remember like talking to my daughter about it and 
not wanting to be that person, lose my cool, yell, and just like, you know, have no like impulse control, have no emotional regulation, like none of that. And I didn't even know those words, you know? I didn't have enough awareness and enough education to know what was happening with me. I just felt like there was something wrong with me. Like, this is the way I was born. Like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I control my emotions? Why do I get so angry so quickly? Why do I like, you know, end up showing my ass? Like, and and then having all this regret and guilt after, you not knowing that there are these breathing tools, you know, not knowing that the first step is awareness, you know, like that you did something, even if it's after, like, you know, and, and what are you going to do moving forward? How are you going to change that? How are you going to work on that and understand that that takes time and that takes practice? And understanding that, you know, my dad yelling at me and his impatience and stuff and being able to see myself in him, like where I got it, obviously, but also understanding that he doesn't have the tools that I have. He didn't go to therapy. He didn't, you know, he doesn't have that right because he didn't grow up with that and so I have to like look at myself and 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 even like within our own inter inter intergenerational and understand like I see him and then I see me and I don't want that for my daughter and obviously she's at a whole other level you know he he didn't have those tools or therapy and so now I was able to get those tools and get therapy, right? And now my daughter, being the age that she's at, she's got all that information and awareness and stuff, right? And so when I think about things like not taking it personal, it's also more so of having that awareness, not just for yourself, but for others, maybe what others are lacking, or maybe what others don't have yet, and kind of realizing also like, your privilege, right? Like the privilege that I now get to have, because we are in this country, and because I was able to have a job that afforded me the kind of insurance that covered a therapist, you know, that I was able to look down and I was in in a position and in a in a society and a culture that talked about therapy even if at the time when I was getting therapy I went uh, I couldn't really find a lot of therapists of color you know and it never even occurred to me that I could that I can sort that out right and so understanding and looking at all those things um when it comes to like not taking it personal so i'm just gonna take a quick second i'm gonna get some water and i'm going to look at my notes i started like really to taking taking in the big picture when i was talking to my therapist about what happened and when i when she asked me the question of awareness you know what how did i get to this point of awareness how did I get to the point when it came to the bank teller now, not just past my parents, but past other people um, and explaining to her like where it all started, you know, and it also made me think of a time when I was going through my depression and I 
had lost everything. I had lost my job. I lost my apartment. I lost my car. And I remember that I called the bank and I was like, or the loan company that had my car. And the thing was, I was in so many different places. I mean, I was even living in Airbnbs. That's how bad it got at one point. And they were never going to find me to repo the car. <laughs> like, I knew that. But I just felt like I'm stealing this car. I just felt like I was stealing it. And I'm like, I have to return this car. Like, I can't do the payments. So I have to um, return this car. And I remember calling the company and this woman coming on and her being such a bully. Like, oh, well, Miss Miss Diaz, do you know we're gonna take your car and all this stuff. And I was just like, take it. <laughs> like, um, uh, what day works for you guys, you know? And her like being like, what? I'm sure she hadn't dealt with someone saying, sure, take it. Like, I think I took that power of like, we are so like conditioned to be, you know, like, tied to we are our car the money we make the house we have and and they know that these these systems you know because I remember the therapist saying like these systems of oppression like um that reward I remember she said that I'm like yeah like her whole job is to be uh, a bully you know and and bully people and I remember in that phone call saying to her like having this moment of compassion for her and I said to her, this must be really hard for you to have to have these conversations. And I said, so I'm going to make your job easy. And I'm going to turn in the car. I'm going to give it back to you guys. And in a day and time that works for you guys, I'll make myself available. And I remember her whole tone and everything changing. And that, I think, was that one time that I was like someone outside of my parents, you know, someone that was maybe being cruel to me or mean or, you know, whatever, rude. And and I thought, I, I don't know, it's just like such a moment of like realization, like this is this woman's job. She goes to work like that every day and has to talk to people like that and threaten them. And then how do you go to that job every day and feel okay? How do you go home? You know, and like, how do you just cut that off? The same thing with people in the bank, you know, like you have to go home after you treat people a certain way or, or you kind of put up a wall um, or you kind of get like shut down your emotions, you know, and how difficult that must be for people, you know, because they're human and they're layered and you this is your job and it made me think about the first time I went to immigration you know and I was getting my green card and it had taken years and the woman who was doing the interview was a Latina and she said to me you know how do I know that you're just not gonna because she saw that I had my baby outside and she said to me how do I know that you're not gonna end up like the rest of them on welfare and I was like what like I remember that cut me so deep 
um, because she was a woman, because she was a Latina, and she had said that to me, and she was an immigration, and that was deciding. I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe she said that to me. And, you know, like, I work, and, like, at the time I was with my daughter's father, we both work, I... I don't I, I just couldn't understand why she said that to me and you know years later understanding that how that must have been for her you know like how had she become this person doing this job and saying that to other Latinas you know and understanding that there are these systems of oppression that support this kind of behavior this this dehumanization of people right and instead of pushing back with our own dehumanizing or dismissing or um the way to look at that is to humanize people you know understand that even people at their worst their ugliest moments and i speak about myself too because i certainly in some form or way i think we've all dehumanized people in one way or another and said that they're very black and white and they're just one good or bad one way or another. And that when we do these things, you know, and we, we continue, then, then nothing is gonna change, you know? And I think on the bigger scale, right, nothing is gonna change, but I think um, in the scale when it comes to us, to ourselves and to our evolution, we owe it to ourselves not to take things personal we owe it to ourselves to change you know to save our own energy and to keep in ourselves in a state of love and growth and compassion you know and and all of that is so important and if there's anything that i have gotten from this experience that I'm grateful for and that I would not take it back um, is that is learning to be more compassionate with others, myself, and to humble myself and to learn to step back and, and detach myself from that ego. When I think of something, um, something funny that happened <laughs> when I was at the bank, my like after we had left and I was at home, and my sister was like, you know, they are so lucky. She's like, because I was so close to going off in that bank. <laughs> like, my sister don't play. Right? She goes, but the only reason I didn't is because I just was taking direction from you. You were you were the one in that situation and, and you were the one experienced all this. And I just told myself, you know, if she can keep calm and she's not going off and, you know, um, she seems to be handling. That's the only reason she's like, I didn't go off on every single one of those people in that bank you know and I just thought that was so funny um to think of her like going you know seeing that for me because I I didn't feel like I was I feel like I was just getting overwhelmed and like there was just so many things going on in my head I certainly didn't feel like I was 
composed in that moment or handling it, you know. Um, but to see that she saw that, um, I, was, I was happy about that. <laughs> um, my daughter had said, no, she's like, you know, you took your power back in that sense. And, you know, when she said that, I was like, I don't even think it was um, the power for me. You know, it wasn't when that woman, when it came to, you know, the car or anything like that, it was and, the, and having that immigration experience, I think for me, it was more about like, you don't get to keep my peace, you know, to take away my peace from me. And when I wasn't attached to my identity, you know, my car, my house, you know, when those things were happening, I think for me, it was freedom. When I was losing things in the past, you know, there was just such, such freedom, you know, when it came to that woman saying, we're going to take your car. And I'm like, take it, <laughs> you know, like I'm not my car. And when the, you know, the woman, when it came to immigration and I was just like not having it either, I was like, go for it. You know, um, if you don't want to give it to me, that's fine. You know, like that was such um freedom for me and it gave me such peace like no one's gonna take my peace and i'm not gonna be attached to a thing because that's gonna take over that's gonna take away my freedom you know and those those i think are the things that become the goal for me you know having the freedom and peace um after experience so many things is I think has become the the a life goal of mine or or a pursuit of mine not having the peace in my childhood not feeling a lot of freedom I think growing up and and becoming this adult now it has become about not allowing anyone to take that freedom and that peace from me and now we've come to the section about journal cues. I love doing journal questions. Um, and I said journal cues because I have it in my notes. <laughs> and I wrote a few down um, so you can sit with it. I always like to leave you guys with these because I love journaling and I love introspecting. I, I think it gives us so much um, awareness. So I talked about... Um, I just finished talking about peace and, you know, not allowing others to take it and freedom from attachment. So what is that for you? You know, what helps you to, what's the goal, I guess, for you? Or what is, what helps you feel powerful? And then the second question is, what are some of the experiences that were difficult but now, looking back, they allowed you to grow the most. And question number three, looking at your parents, what are some of the privileges that you've been afforded that maybe they didn't uh, get to experience? Thank you all so much uh, for listening and for joining me on this journey. Make sure if you're not subscribed um, that you do so. I am and stay accountable with me. Um, I hope that the, 
these episodes help you stay in account, stay accountable. Um, I hope they help you introspect and I hope that you do the journal questions or the journal cues. (laughs) 